49ers. Uh, twenty twenty two season ended in Philadelphia when uh, Brock Purdy went down with a elbow injury. Uh, to begin our thirty two team previews of the NFL season, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by our longtime. 49ers guest Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Barrier and Matt always good to have you and uh, plenty of news on Tuesday uh, announced that Brock Purdy cleared and uh, ready to return from the elbow injury but not all the way back according to John Lynch so what does this exactly mean? Well, if, if Bob, thanks for having me. And did you say we're kicking off the coverage? So am I the very first it. victim? Okay, Number all right, one. I'm honored. Okay, <laughs> victim is a keyword. Yeah, pressure is on to deliver the goods. Um, yes. So what does it mean? It means that Brock Purdy is going to be the starter when the 49ers open the regular season. And that was something that certainly was called into question or maybe even doubt when he sustained that injury in the NFC Championship game. But uh, his recovery, the, uh, the Perry High product, his recovery has gone very well. It's five months out from the surgery, and it was considered kind of a six-month ramp-up to get to 100%. He, they, you know, he's been cleared. Uh, they just are having him on a bit, a bit of a pitch count, and so he had two days of, of throwing pretty rigor, rigorously here at the 49ers practice facility. Uh, earlier this week, today is their first practice. They step on the practice field in about an hour, and he will not be out there. Uh, but he will practice, at least he's scheduled to practice, Thursday and Friday, and then there's a day off, and then he'll practice uh, two more days and day off. So uh, the, the plan is for him not to throw three days in a row for at least the cu- first couple of weeks of training camp. They just want to manage his reps, you know, have the pitch count. Uh, you know, They say they're taking it slowly with him, um, but – slowly is a lot faster than I think a lot of people had anticipated. Also on Wednesday is revealed that Nick Bosa is away from the team. Uh, the 2022 NFL defensive player of the year is uh, seeking a long-term deal. Was that surprising? And is there a time between like now and the regular season opener on September the 10th at Pittsburgh when that becomes a big deal if Bosa remains absent? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a surprise to me only because I didn't know the rule. I, I thought that um, I was under the impression that, you know, he would be, he could be fined, which he can be fined, but that he, those fines cannot be waived. But for players still on their rookie contract, teams do have the options of waiving those fines. And so mm-hmm. that, that's where the 49ers are. So he, he's away from the facility. He's not getting fined. Uh, you know, by all accounts, the team and player are on fine terms. Uh, the 49ers fully expect to make Nick Bosa a very wealthy man. Nick Bosa and his representation fully expect him to be made a very wealthy man. And then it just comes down to crunching the numbers. You know, does he does he become the highest paid edge rusher in the NFL? I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. Um, if you don't consider Aaron Donald an edge rusher. Aaron Donald's making $31.66 million per year. He's also a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And that contract that uh, I'm sure Bosa's side is working off of 
was you know some additional years or or, or basically money for a shorter term uh, to kind of compensate for you know maybe money that that Aaron Donald should have been making. So you know there's a lot of ways to look at it. Aaron Donald's contract, which he signed, uh, I think it was I think it was a year ago. In fact, um, right, yeah. it, it really jumped him up over other people like by a wide, wide margin over other people uh, at his position or at least on the defensive line. And so, you know, there has to be some kind of meeting of the minds to figure out, you know, is the Aaron Donald contract applicable? Is it the outlier? Um, and, and so that's that's where they are right now. But I don't know that there's any big concern about not having Bosa in here. I guess the concern is that, you know, it continues to drag on, but based on the way the 49ers have approached him in the past, where he does pretty much all of his off-season work on his own with his own trainers, with, you know, just he, he kind of has his routine and it's worked for him. So the 49ers certainly don't feel like, uh, you know, because they don't see him, there's any concern that, that he'll be ready to go. Now they, they know that from the moment he steps foot in California, he'll be ready to play football. So we've covered obviously two big things already with Purdy and Bosa. So what are some other training camp storylines uh, that uh, we should be paying attention to? Yeah. I mean, I think that for the quarterback position, you know, we can kind of eliminate the storyline of who's going to be the starting quarterback. But it still is going to be very interesting to see what happens behind Brock Purdy with Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. But this is a team with not a whole lot of questions. Uh, you know, maybe on the outside there would be people looking at the Fernandez offensive line and thinking that that could be an area of concern. And when you look at the team, that probably is the biggest area of concern. But there's not a whole lot of training camp battles going on. Basically, every starting position is spoken for. So that's there's really there's not a whole lot of drama here or or really uncertainty. Uh, I guess there is a little bit of drama when it comes to the the Bosa contract, but there's not a whole lot of uncertainty about where this team is from a roster standpoint. The the one thing that they do have to kind of sort out is how they who's going to step up that edge rusher position opposite of Bosa. A year ago, they took Drake Jackson in the second round, and he started off pretty well, but really faded, just kind of wore down. So they're expecting him to make a, a big jump and be a contributor. The other thing is, just last month, Debo Samuel said that that he felt that he was awful last year, and that's his words. Uh, awful. He felt like, you know, after watching himself on film, he looked sluggish. So he really put himself on blast. And so what kind of shape does he show up in? Uh, I understand he's in very good physical condition. So there's a guy right there that feels like this season he has something to prove because 2022 did not live up to the standard that he had established the previous season. Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, currently in the sports zone. Um, is replacing, you mentioned the offensive line, is replacing Mike McGlinchey the biggest questions individually as far as this offense goes at least? Probably, you know, because you look at the, the interior guys are, are returners from a year ago and 
couple young guys, Aaron Banks at left guard and Spencer Burford at right guard. You know, they weren't they weren't exactly lights out, but the idea is that you know last year was kind of the floor for them, and they should continue to improve and get better. Uh, the, the one guy that we haven't seen a whole lot of is Colton McKivitz, who steps into right tackle. Mendelinchi, as you mentioned, goes on, uh, gets a, a very sizable contract with the Denver Broncos. Obviously, no no concern about Trent Williams at left tackle, but I, I would suppose that you know when you look at the uh, at the offensive line, uh, McKivitz is a guy who probably won't be the kind of run blocker that McGlinchey was. But I think there's a chance that he could be, you know, maybe an improvement in pass protection from McGlinchey. Yeah, clearly, you know, offensively, this is Kyle Shanahan's show here. But he's lost some offensive assistance now the last couple of years. Has that actually changed the method of operation there? It did. I think more last year than it will this year. Last year, uh, there was all kinds of, you know, his, his right-hand man was Mike McDaniel. And losing him was a big blow. And so it meant that basically the run game coordinator and the passing game coordinator were kind of new. And they had 13 different coaches on the staff or 13 coaches in different roles than the previous year. So I think internally uh, there was a struggle to kind of figure out uh, the flow of the week and all that stuff that I do think that had an impact on the team early in the season. This year it's not so dramatic uh, there's you know one major change offensively, and that Clint Kubiak, uh, who spent some time as an offensive coordinator with the Vikings and the Broncos, he comes over to fill the role of offensive passing game specialist. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, Bob, this is this is Kyle Shanahan's show. You know, he he wants his offensive coaches to to give him the necessary information to do a lot of the leg work, but. You know, he's the one calling the shots. He's the one who has veto power on everything that's put into the game plan, obviously. And then he's also the guy calling the shots on game day. Meanwhile, the defense uh, lost highly respected coordinator D'Amico Ryans. He went on to become the head coach of the Houston Texans. Former Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes is now the Niners uh, defensive coordinator for this season. Does this change the defensive approach at all? I think it does a little bit you know, where the, the the difference is a lot of times, you know, well, for Steve Wilkes, what, what he's had to adjust to is that he comes in with, you know, this is your defense. You know, this is the terminology we use. This is what, uh, what, what we do. Um, and he didn't bring any of his staff with it. So it's basically him being integrated into what the 49ers do. And then within that system, it's, you know there is some flexibility for him to to call the shots and, and maybe things change things up a little bit. And the one thing that he has said that that he believes uh, the Forty ers can do, which would be a change from the past, is just be more aggressive. You know, going after the quarterback, dialing up more blitzes selectively. You know, he, he's got pretty good talent, so he doesn't have to put his defense in compromising positions just to try to get to the quarterback. But he does believe that that there will be opportunities uh, that will present themselves during the course of the season or course of any specific game where they can dial more stuff up and, and send, you know, send a safety blitz, send the corner blitz, send Fred Warner or Dre Greenlaw. So he believes that uh, the defense can get better and 
from the early, you know, from the offseason program, talking to some of those defensive guys, they believe the same thing. So, you know, it was a very good defense last season. And the goal not only is just to tread water and, and be as good, but uh, there's a lot of people here who think that they can be even better and that Steve Wilkes can bring in some new ideas and new perspective. And then also, of course, they added Javon Hargrave, a pre-agent pickup yes. from the Philadelphia Eagles, a defensive tackle to help him get there as well. Back to, I was going to get to him next. You know, they added him. Uh, they're already, needless to say, strong in the defensive front. Uh, what specifically does he add to the Niners' defense, which you know, was first in yards allowed and first in points allowed last season? I think what he brings to the table is, you know, I don't know if we want to call him a superstar. Maybe we just call him a star. You know, I think he's he's pretty solidly a top ten defensive tackle in the league, and you know, I think Eric Armstead is kind of borderline top 10, top 12, but Armstead wasn't healthy much at all last season, but he did play some really good football in the postseason. But I think when you look at that defensive line, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, it's a pretty good defensive line. And last year, though, if if anyone had asked you, like, you know, what's the strength of the 49ers or how's their defensive line, you probably would have said, oh, it's a really good defensive line. Okay, well, name – you know, name two or three players on that defensive line, and you might have struggled. You might have, you know, you mm-hmm. definitely would have said Armstead, or you definitely would have said Bosa, probably Armstead. But then after those two, it's kind of, you know, I, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, mediocrity or it's just guys who are playing a limited number of snaps and who are going all out. And so, in a lot of ways, you know, that unit was better than the sum of its parts by bringing in. Javon Hargrave is somebody that defenses will definitely have to game plan against. And so he is a legitimate star and he's a, a difference maker. And so that's what he brings to the table is that you know, teams will have to make some, some decisions on, on how you block Bosa, how you account for Armstead and Hargrave when they're on the field. Cause these are two body wise, two completely different styles of defensive tackles. So It'll create some issues, I think, for interiors of offensive lines because you know they're they're so different. So I think just having him bring bringing him to the table, it will he will be able to make plenty of plays on his own, but also he will create a lot of other opportunities for guys around him. Okay, uh, we're talking Niners and previewing the season with Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Area. Robbie Gold is a special place in my heart. And uh, for a while there, my bank account, he won me a fantasy championship on a Monday <laughs> night back in his days with the Bears. So I was so much for sad objectivity, to see. so much for you being yeah. objective. Yeah, well, I, I am like 90% of the time unless uh, you know, somebody <laughs> wins or loses me money. So there you go. Uh, so I was kind of sad when he left San Francisco in a way, but they did draft uh, Mike Mosley out of Michigan. Uh, Moody, excuse me, out of Michigan. So uh, how, how would you evaluate the special teams heading into this season? Well, I mean, you know, they, they have uh, created some resources for special teams aces, you know, guys like George Odom and Oren Burks. And so they get pretty good contribution on, out of those non-kicker you know, positions. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski, their punter, 
starts on NFI, he tweaked his back working out. And I think he's a pretty solid punter. His, his net average is pretty good. But, yeah, bringing in Jake Moody from Michigan and drafting him where they did, number 99 overall, you know, that signaled the end of the Robbie Gold era. Uh, he was a very consistent kicker for six seasons here. Uh, most accurate kicker in 49ers history. Never to this point has missed a kick in the postseason. And that means for the 49ers, he was 21 for 21 on field goal attempts. And I don't know how many extra points he hit, but he, he never missed one of those either. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to change some things because I contend that when the 49ers got to, say, the 30-yard line, that Kyle Shanahan seemed to play things conservatively offensively because it was almost as if in the back of his mind or maybe even in the front of his mind, okay, we got the three points, now let's not screw it up and basically take those three points off the board. I just wonder what, what will change with Moody. He has a stronger leg, so I would fully expect him to attempt more longer field goals, you know, 55 yards, say. Uh, but maybe on those fourth and ones, at the 30-yard line or the 25-yard line, maybe he doesn't just automatically take the three points. Maybe they try to be a little bit more aggressively. Because the, the past few seasons, I don't know if the 49ers were absolutely last in the league in fourth down attempts, but they were near the bottom of the league. I, I would expect that to change. I would expect them to maybe play a, play it a little bit more risky or, or roll the dice a little bit more on fourth down than they did previously with Robbie Gold as their kicker. Okay, Matt, East Coast time. The East Coast time zone is going to be a big part of your life here the next few months. i got five games in yeah. the Eastern time zone. Uh, and the consensus uh, 2023 win total for the Niners is 10.5. Uh, so huh, under, okay. over, over or under 10.5 in 2023. You know, I think when I just did my knee-jerk reaction right when the schedule came out, I think I went with, with 12, 12 wins. So mm-hmm. – uh, or was he like? No, I think I, I think I went twelve. I think I had them going twelve and five. Um, I wonder if that will change one way or the other uh, when you talk about the consensus win total. I wonder if that will change uh, after the news yesterday that Brock Purdy is definitely on pace and he's been cleared that's, to that's be the quarterback. Because I, yeah. I do think that you know it, anyone who might have said, "Oh, they're they're they could be a ten win team." I wonder if that person or those people were taking into account kind of the uncertainty at the quarterback position. Like, hey, you know, there's a chance that Trey Lance or Sam Darnold might have to play or might have to start the first two or three or four games of the season. So I, I wonder if that was taken into account. So I, I would, I would certainly, I think at this point, go over on the ten and a half. That sounds fair, and I think your assessment of uh, you know that total being set maybe a little low, the uncertainty of Purdy, I think it definitely factored into that for sure. All right, yeah. Matt, uh, Cardinals and Niners play in uh, is it September or the first week of October, whatever, the fourth game of the season, whenever that is. So I'm sure we'll be checking back uh, that particular week for sure. Always appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, I already have it on my my calendar, uh, December 17th, because it'll be our first trip to Arizona in yeah. a while, because last year we that's, went to Mexico City. So, uh, Bob, right. I, I, I hope I didn't mess this up for the other 30 installments of your NFL Around the League. Yeah. Um, I just hope I, I held my own. 
I think this just puts the pressure on everybody else is what this yes. does. Yes. <laughs> so you're so you're saying I'm the leader in the clubhouse. You did well. You you're one one and zero so far. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Matt Mayoko right, of NBC Sports Barry. Always good to talk to Matt.